Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunities. I thank God for the opportunities that he puts in our lives. One of the things I love to do is I love to tell people about my Lord and Savior. Sister, that was beautiful. I really don't need to bring anything. You spoke tonight. That was nice. Jesus is our friend. In Proverbs were told we have a friend that's closer than a brother. And isn't that true? I find sometimes that <clears throat> my brothers and sisters in Christ are closer to me than my own blood. And that's how God intended it to be. If you have your Bibles tonight, um, we're opening up to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, we're a week away from celebrating the uh, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the mornings, I've on Sunday mornings in devotion, we've been going through who was and who is Jesus Christ. Who is this man that would give his life for us? Who is this God that would come to earth as a babe in a manger, knowing that his whole time here on earth was headed in one direction, and that's towards Calvary. But tonight, as I pondered what to, what to talk about tonight, <clears throat> I asked God, I said, God, should I finish off the devotions on Sunday mornings tonight or, and do something else on next Sunday morning? And God brought me to this. And I wanted to look at his last moments on the cross. So if you would, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to begin in verse number 45. Matthew chapter 27. And we're just going to read a few verses here. Beginning in verse number 45. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour... Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, this man calleth for Elias, Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave, it, gave him to drink. Excuse me. The rest said, <coughs> excuse me. The rest said let, let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. From top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. 
in verse number 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly this was the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I commit the service to you, Lord. Father God, I just ask that you would still my nerves, Lord, that you will place in my mouth those words you want me to say. Lord, help me to recall those things that you've laid on my heart. Father, I ask that I will decrease, that you may increase. And Father, I just ask that tonight we see Jesus through all of this. Lord, I pray that we give free reign to your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and to put in our minds those thoughts that you want us to think about. Father, as we get ready to celebrate the the resurrection of your Son, Lord, as we go through this week, please help us to remember those things that Jesus went through. The shame, the punishment, the debasement, the dehumanizing beatings that he took. But Lord, let us also remember That as Sunday approaches, he came out of that grave, Lord. And Jesus is alive and standing on your right hand today. Father, be with us tonight. Let everything that's said and done glorify and honor you. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ. And for Christ's sake we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Excuse me. In In this reading... There's a couple of things that stuck out to, in my mind as I was studying this afternoon. And that I want to share with you. And I pray that you'll take this away for the, what it is. This is what Jesus went through. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, all of us know the story that he was hung between two thieves thief on either side and when they first put them all up there everyone was talking you know if you're truly the son of God save yourself today we got so many people saying well if Jesus is truly God then why aren't things any better get rid of all this illness get rid of all this cancer I hear this I hear this from students Because this is what they're being taught. Jesus couldn't pull himself off that cross. He could have. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called legions of angels to pull him off that cross and totally wipe everybody out that was there that day. But he stood up. he, He hung up here. And he took it. How many of us would take this for a brother? How many of us would take this for a friend? He hung here after being beaten with those cats of nine nine tails. 
having the skin and flesh ripped right off his body. We sing the song, I've sung the song, I can only imagine what it'll be like when I get to heaven. I can't fathom what he went through. Having his beard ripped out of him. Being punched and dared. Tell us who hit you. Meanwhile, not being guilty of anything, having a thief on either side, saying, if you truly are the Son of God, save yourself and us. But miracles happened on this cross that day. The greatest miracle was we got salvation. That day, our sins, if we choose to accept the gift of the sacrifice of the perfect lamb, our sins are washed away. We're forgiven for anything we've ever done or anything we will do. doesn't give us free license to go out and run amok. But it gave us freedom to know that we are no longer in bondage. miracle that happened on that cross that day was one of the thieves saw Jesus for who he truly is. The Son of God. The Savior of the world. The one who came to pay our sin price. And while hanging there on the cross, he looked at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom today. What did Jesus say? Well, I can't take you because you're not baptized. No, he didn't say that. Well, I can't take you because, you know, you, you, you can't get yourself off and you can't kneel at the cross. No, Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Brother Steve, that day that thief saw, God, saw heaven I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we get there. That song is such an awesome song. I can only imagine what that day will be like. But now let's look at these final moments of Christ's life on that cross. The final three hours. In verse 45 it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. This is between 12 noon and 3 p.m. You see, the crucifixion, according to accounts, started about 9.30 that morning. They can't pin down exact time, but understand, he was tried all throughout the night in in an illegal mock trial. They brought all kinds of witnesses in, of which only two stated anything that had a bearing of truth, and that was, he said, the temple will be destroyed in three days, and I will, or it will be destroyed, and I'll rebuild it in three days. He wasn't talking about a physical building, because the temple would be destroyed a few years later in 70 AD by Titus. You see, Jesus was talking, he would be destroyed. And in that third day, he would rise again, victorious over death in the grave, coming out of the tomb. 
So between 12 and 3, darkness fell over all the land. The other day, I, my thoughts went directly to this as I was coming northbound on Decatur Avenue, taking some kids home. I looked over here on this side of the valley, and all I saw was black skies. And it was dark. Over here, I'm under the sun, I've got blue skies, and then darkness. And two things went through my mind. One was how dark it was as Jesus hung on that cross for that final three hours from 12 to 3. It was so dark, you probably couldn't see your hand in front of your face. The other thing I thought about was, what a picture of a sin-filled world in light of Jesus Christ in one person's life. How many people today claim that they are truly blessed, but they live in that dark side? You see, there's a lot of people to be a Christian nowadays is a catchphrase. Have a blessed day is a common phrase anymore. Just like God bless America became a catchphrase. This is sadness, folks. But God told us this day was coming. About the ninth hour... Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus at that time was fulfilling what David said in Psalm 22.1. If you turn over to Psalm 22.1 real quick, you're going to read these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? You see, Jesus at this time, he was feeling despair and abandonment from his father. You see, God cannot look on sin. God cannot have any part of sin because it goes against his very being. This abandonment, this despair that Jesus was experiencing that day at that hour was the result of the wrath of God being poured upon him. How many of us if could survive if our parents were got so angry with us that they would turn our, their backs on us? Our parents are forgiving people. My dad was very forgiving. As a matter of fact, I don't think he hit me but one time. That was my stepdad. I'm going to tell you, he came up afterwards and he apologized. And he said, son, I will never touch you again. And he was true to his word. And what was bad for me the shame that came upon me wasn't the fact that he hit me. It wasn't the fact that he was angry with me. It was the fact I did him wrong. I made him do that. Jesus hung on that cross that day because of things I would do. 
This morning we talked about how fulfilled Caiaphas felt when he finally got Jesus to admit that the Son of Man will be seen again coming in the clouds. And he rent his clothes in, oh, look at what I did! And I can only imagine Jesus standing there thinking to himself, what did you do? You didn't do anything. You're going to hang me on a cross in the next few hours. And I'm doing it willingly. Remember, Jesus said, no one takes my life except I give it up. Jesus gave up his life. Nobody took it. Nobody killed my Savior. Jesus gave his life willingly on that cross. At any time, he could have just walked out. How long was he with them in the temples and they couldn't lay a hold on him? Jesus is God, folks. He's never stopped being God. He always was and always will be. But he was feeling his despair at this time. And some stood there thought, oh, he's calling Elijah. It's interesting that a Passover nowadays... And I, this is, is something that, being to, to a Passover myself, they've always got one chair has a prayer shawl draped over it. And that chair is for the prophet Elijah to show up. They always have a chair for prophet Elijah. The problem is, Elijah's already been here. The one who needed to come back in Egypt was Jesus Christ. The one who did come and took away the sins of the world was rejected. They rejected him. Today, people are rejecting Jesus and they're pretty happy going, going on about it. Next Sunday, people are going to worship a thing called the Easter Bunny. And I say it that way because kids are going to get up. Oh, where's my Easter basket? Oh, got to look for those eggs. First off, can I tell you, I've never seen a rabbit lay an egg. Jesus said that this kind will beget that kind, the same kind. If you've got a fly, a fly is going to beget a fly. If you've got a rabbit, that rabbit's going to beget a rabbit, not a chicken. And they're not going to be colorful eggs, folks. <laughs> so, and finding out that a church I used to go to as a child had an Easter money on their property today celebrating Easter for the kids. In a church. A Baptist church. My heart sunk because what are we going to? What are we teaching our kids? You know, candy and all that, that's fine and good. But you got it because of Jesus Christ. Jesus provided that, not some bunny that's laying some eggs. Jesus provided us the greatest gift when he hung on that cross. 
So they expected him to call Elijah. And right away, what did one person do? Went and got a sponge full of vinegar. Let's give a dying man some vinegar. If anyone, anyone here ever drinking straight vinegar? Yep. It's not the best tasting thing in the world, is it, Brother Clyde? <laughs> it's rather bitter. Until you get used to it, it burns going all the way down. The rest said, let us see whether Elijah's, Elijah will come or not. They would never see Elijah come. Not then. He's already been there. What they needed to do was watch the work that Jesus truly was doing on that cross. You see, that thief opened his eyes. He trusted God that day. And he's now in paradise with our Lord and Savior. And he's been there ever since. Verse 50, then Jesus, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. You see, right here, Jesus gave up the ghost. It wasn't taken from him. He didn't just lose consciousness and fall asleep. He gave up the ghost voluntarily. In order for this work to be done, Jesus had to give his entire life. All of him. And what were the last words? Into thy hands, I commend my spirit. He said, Father, you sent me here to earth to die for the sin sin of this world. Now, Father, I give you the finished work. And 50 days later, after he came out of that grave, he would ascend up in front of 500 plus witnesses. Tell me there isn't a God. You tell me that Jesus is not a real person. You tell me that we don't deserve or that we should not look to that cross and give all thanks and glory and honor to him. Because without him, we have nothing. He gave up the ghost. And behold, here's the thing that I really wanted to look at tonight and take a moment. Verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. We'll discuss the veil here in a quick second. But that last little phrase, and the rocks rent the rocks tore to rent something means to tear it God tore the very rocks tell me how much power God doesn't have and I'm going to show you something different it wasn't it wasn't by mistake when Moses hit those rocks that water came out of them that was by God's design you see What's happening today isn't by mistake. It's not coincidence. Our country is in turmoil. Not by coincidence. Not because this person said this, this person said that. Can I say right now, God made one race. The human race. Everything else is because of man's 
desire to cheapen what God did through evolution. Understand, folks, God's design, God's plan has been going since he spoke this world into existence. God's plan was going before then. And it's been a perfect plan ever since. And it will always be a perfect plan. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a song that goes, Praise the Lord, He never changes. We used to sing that at Central in the choir. I love that song. He never changes. So the rocks were rent. The earth quaked. But this veil. This is, this is the crowning point of all of this tonight. The veil, you need to understand, that separated the temple where the, the table of showbread and the lampstand was, separated that from the Holy of Holies. The only one who could go through the veil was the priest, the high priest at that time. He's the only one. And he could only go in at certain times. And that's with the the blood from the sacrifice that he would sprinkle on the mercy seat. And God would decide right then and there whether he was going to accept the sacrifice or reject it. If God accepted it, you were good for another year. But if he rejected it, something was wrong. Something between bringing the sacrifice to the temple, the priest preparing that sacrifice, taking it into the Holy of Holies, something in this line messed up. And if that happened, you would have to start all over again. Folks, I know of two people in the Bible that did the wrong thing in the tabernacle, which was the forerunner to the temple. And that was Eli's sons. They offered the wrong sacrifice. They were burned up. God will not be mocked. For what you sow, you're going to reap that. You see, this veil... was tall, expand the whole expanse of the doorway into the Holy of Holies, and it was about yay thick. Now understand, the height on this was well over 10 feet. No human person, the tallest human, could not reach the top of this veil. So the only way a man could have tore this in half if he could have even done so would have had to be from the bottom and rip it up. The veil was rent from the very top to the bottom. And it was done without anybody standing there. It was done by the hand of God. Because God is the only one powerful enough 
and strong enough to tear that veil. That's because God at that time, when His Son gave up the ghost, and he, 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 His Spirit left that body, God said, Now I can open the way between you and me. It's just like if I wanted to get to my wife Holly without having to go around, I would need to go through these pews. The only way to do it is to break these pews. Let me tell you something. I can't do it. But these pews are going to have to be removed for me to get to Holly. That's what God gave us that day on the cross. He gave us a way to go to him directly. Now, here's an interesting thing that I found out. There's a preacher, a Baptist preacher, by the name of Jim Scudder, out of a state in the Middle East, in the Midwest. And he is, his doctrine is right on. He, he teaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, he believes the Bible is inerrant, inerrant. He is straight down the line. He was talking and witnessing to two Jewish uh, rabbis that were orthodox. Now, he got to this part explaining they would meet weekly for a Bible study. And he got to this part of where it said, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And one of the rabbis, he says, hmm, that makes perfect sense. And I didn't think about it until after I heard this. And I went and I checked it out with a rabbi friend of mine here in Las Vegas. He's a completed Jew. That means he's a Jew that has recognized that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. He's accepted him personally in his life. He now is a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what his ministry is. And I asked him, I said, this preacher or this rabbi, this Orthodox rabbi said, it made sense because when a father loses a son, if a son dies before the father, the father will take his clothes and rent them top to bottom. It's a sign of some, some sorrow. It's a sign of my son's gone. So it's interesting to me that this rabbi, this orthodox rabbi, would pick that up. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe God sorrowed when Jesus died. In the song this morning, practicing it, I could had a hard time getting through it all the time. Because of that one phrase. God was willing that his son would be punished. Yet he was happy that I was pardoned. He was happy his son was punished. And happy I was pardoned. 
You see, God isn't sadistic. God, when he sent his son to die on this cross, when he sent him to be born in the manger, when he sent him to be buried in that grave, that tomb, to raise again on that third day, that wasn't sadism. That was taking care of a problem that needed to be taken care of. That was paying a price that needed to be paid. How many of us can say as our kids are growing up or when they did grow up, those of us who have children, how many of us can say that there isn't one thing that we wouldn't pay for for our kids? You see, I would like to take all my kids and get them out of the trouble that they're in. Physically and financially, I can't do that. But I do know the person that can. And it's through the power of prayer that God does that. You see, when we come through these doors each Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we're praying. We're asking God to show us something. If you're just coming in here to fill space on a pew, we need to talk. Because that's not what it's all about. You see... I've heard one preacher say this, and I, I kind of agree with this. You see, God's going to answer one prayer for everybody. One prayer, everybody in this world will have answered. Brother Bill, if they don't know God, God's not going to answer a prayer. They're praying one thing. Let me lift up to your memory who was considered the smartest man in the world at one time, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking said, there is no God. People are stupid for believing in this and needing a God to get out of the situations they're in. Stephen was praying to God, saying, God, I don't need you, so I don't have to believe in you. Can I dare say that today Stephen Hawking is in hell wishing he had listened to somebody? He's now going to suffer the rest of eternity because he refused to believe. God answered his prayer and sent him where he wanted to go. There's people out here in this world that are just anxious to go to hell that are rejecting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on that cross. Finally, verse 54. The other prayer, by the way, are those people that come to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that come to him. And it doesn't have to be in an altar. It doesn't have to be in a church building. It can be sitting in your, in your bed at home Praying as you're going to sleep that night. And it could be as simple as God save me. As long as you recognize that you are a sinner. And you deserve hell. Because face it. Until we accept Jesus Christ. That's what we deserve. When we get that 
through our brains and we realize this and we turn that brain around saying, I need something. I need a light to get me out of this darkness. That's repentance, folks. That's what Jesus was talking about. That means you're now turning to look to God and saying, God, I need your son, the light of the world. I can't do it in my strength anymore. I need you, Jesus. You are Lord and Savior. You are the King of kings and the true Lord of lords. I need you today. You take that prayer to God, he will answer it. And he will save you. But verse 54 says, Now when the centurion, they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Tonight, I wonder, has there ever been a time in your life that you realized that the person who hung on that cross was Jesus Christ? I said it a couple of weeks ago in the devotion. To complete this whole picture here, we need a manger. Jesus came as a babe. The Jewish, the children of Israel, the Jewish people were expecting a warrior, a king to come and conquer their oppressors. How many of us are seeking that that conqueror today in our very lives? I'll tell you right now, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, your Lord, the master of your life, you are more than conqueror. Because God has given you that power to pray and to trust. As the song says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey you see, this weekend, we celebrated the life of Brother Wayne Hunter. A man who at one time recognized he needed the gift of God. He accepted Jesus Christ. And today, he's resting in the arms of Jesus. He's bowing before him. And he's seeing. Here's the thing. Yeah, I'm jealous. I want to go. I want to be there. But you know what gets me more? He knows Jesus better than we do. I can't wait for that day that I finally get to see the man that hung on this cross for me, for my wife, for all of my friends and family. I can never repay what he did. And I'm going to tell you something. He's never asked me to repay it. All he's asked me to do was trust and to believe and to put him first. So my question is, 
Have you come to the realization that the man who hung on that cross, Jesus paid it all. Like the hymn goes, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a guilty stain. Jesus, he washed it white as snow through his finished work. Brother Steve, come on up. Holly. As we examine ourselves, as they come up and prepare to This week, we need to remember what Jesus did for us. I think I still remember Brother McGill's picture he painted of what Jesus went through. We need to remember this, folks. Next Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate. He came out of that borrowed tomb. And now, that tomb is nothing more than an empty room. What once housed the dead is now empty. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. He did this for us. His work was finished on that cross, on Calvary. God rent that veil so we could go directly to him. Let's stand and let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father.